Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 37 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co hosts from the East Coast are up to. First up, Dave the Alcadron Vader. How was your week? Uh, it's great so far. I, I'm on February vacation right now, which is a thing Ooh. Massachusetts does. Their public schools don't have spring break, they have two. They have a February. They have a week off in February, and they have a week off in April. So. Oh, I remember you saying something about that last week. Yeah. So it's. Uh, yeah, nice. It's really good. I am. I'm enjoying. So I mean, I have a second job, and their sure. their spring breaks don't line up. So I'm still. <laughs> of course. Still not. working. Get that lucky. Uh, no, it's really good. I have. Uh, I got some big plans. Like I've, I've been taking it easy for the last couple of days. This weekend, I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have big plans. I'm going to spend all of Friday night and into Saturday morning getting drunk, playing Magic with some good friends. It's gonna be that sounds amazing. High quality entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm totally jealous. Mm-hmm. You're you're invited. Just, just <laughs> to Massachusetts. Easy. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. I just hop in the car like tomorrow. Yeah. And I'll be there. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> All right. Next up, as usual, we got our PDH PhD Liam. Are you safe from the Phyrexians? I'm I'm not sure. I'm <laughs> They're not everywhere. Sure. Well, they're everywhere, but I'm I'm not sure. It sounds an awful lot of them in my audio this week. Yeah, there was some uh, gremlins. We had some audio gremlins this week. Yeah. You doing okay otherwise? Yeah, I'm I'm doing fine. Otherwise, um, had a had an awful bout with food poisoning about halfway through the week. Uh, oh, oh no. Yeah, normally it's normally it's not bad, but it actually it it hit me for a few days in a row, and it was it was awful. Um, Did you have some some bad sushi. I, I we think we think they were bad eggs. Oh yeah. So it it really like it 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 wiped me out for a few days, uh, which really kind of sucks because I was this this last uh, week slash the next couple of days is the last week and a half I had before um mm-hmm. I have uh, observations from my certification, and next week is when those observations happen. I've lost a lot of planning time because of the sickness. So it kind of really sucks yeah that'll really lay out um, too yeah that's so fun. so the next the next few days are really like hard crunch time to to knock out this stuff and, and get it out of the way yeah well good deal I'm, sounds like you'll be busy i'm better now <laughs> yeah just in time for the show just in time for the show all right well are, before we move on to how are the, you doing huh? brad what me i am uh i'm doing well we had some family stuff go on today, so I took uh, most of the day off of work. I worked, I think, for a couple hours this morning. Emails, phone calls, getting people set up for the day, that sort of thing. But pretty good. Otherwise, we had, uh, well, Dave, you were there. We had a good stream on Saturday. That was fun. That was really fun. Uh, the decks for Monday's stream were really fun. Mine did not really, hmm, not really stand up to the rest of them. It didn't really, uh, wasn't very resilient or uh good is that the, is that the term the kids use it wasn't good <laughs> <laughs> have you have you tried getting good i think that's i think that's good say i've heard that as a that that's a uh a motivational slogan like get good nerd or something like that <laughs> but no it was a good time too it's a fun stream we'll have to do that one again it's a, we um we did a format i don't even know if we came up with a with a name for it i know fridge was trying to uh brainstorm some some names for the format but it was basically you just you pick a normal uh, commander for your PDH deck, and then you partner it with any 
non-creature artifact or any non-aura enchantment that ended up being a lot of fun. Uh, I had your help a little bit, Dave. I went with Thrall Parasite, partnered with Time of Ice, and I got to do the thing that it sounds like I should have been able to do uh, once or twice. I remember bouncing Lobber's whole board. That was fun. And then oh, I had cool. Stabilize. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. It was fun. Um, I had Stabilize at one point. I had Thrall Parasite, Marauding Blight Priests, the Syndic Enforcer. Is he the mono black extort guy? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the... It, the... it wasn't Basilica's creature. It was the other one. I think it's the, the four mana three two. Some kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I had them three, and I I want to say another creature. Maybe it was just them three on the on the board for like two turns in a row, and I was just casting spells and extorting life and gaining life. And then um, I forgot what I did on a one particular turn, but it, I was tapped down to all but one open mana, and whales cast a fade away. Oh. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and that was pretty much the downfall for, for my deck. So after, after that, I couldn't recover. I couldn't draw any creatures. I couldn't draw any draw spells to draw creatures. Like, And it wasn't until after I lost my board and uh, didn't have my enchantment any longer because it was in the command zone, like costing like 9 or 11. That's when I hit all my proliferate cards. So it was just frustrating. The timing didn't work out well. Variance was not in my favor. But Sounds like a bad time. Either way. Yeah, either way, it was fun. I'd like to do it again, brew up something a little bit different, but yeah, yeah. that was a good time. That sounds like a cool format. I I need to I would need to think about that. Yeah, this when we talked about it, it was like, okay, cool, you know, pick a commander. I'll, that, I'll pick an enchantment because I love enchantments. And then once you start to sorry. dive into it, you're like, holy cow! Like there's a lot going on. Like there's a lot of ways you can take this. A Abby was promoting something very similar to this. I feel like some kind of zealot, mm -hmm. something where you get you get a commander creature, and then you also get like. I think it has to be a global enchantment, a non-aura enchantment, as like you're like your creed. It shares a color your... with the commander. Yeah, and like I, mm -hmm. I forget what she called it. Some sort of like that—that's your zealot. Just zealot. Mm -hmm. Zealot was the format, but like there, she, she had a cool name for the aura. Like that was your like religion or something. Oh, oh yeah, you yeah. are right. I can't. I don't. Yeah, I'm blanking on that too. She's gonna she's gonna correct us in, in the on the on the Twitter <laughs> sphere. But uh, yeah, yeah that on the Twitter sphere that also sounded cool. So like if you. If 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 you do more with this format, make sure you definitely include Abby because I think she'd be really. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely for sure. And it seemed like um, all the decks were functional enough. We all sort of went the similar route, well, except for Lobert. He did like Boros Agro Vigilance Tribal. Uh, oh, but cool. But Wales was on like the uh, Trickster God Enchantment that swaps permanents around and. Christ for the life of me, I can't remember the one Fridge was on. And I even stared at it like, I need to remember this for, for, for the show next week. Uh, it was a mono black enchantment from Kamigawa Block. When a creature is put into your graveyard from anywhere, you you give this enchantment to an opponent, something, 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 they lose eight life. <sighs> I can't remember what it was, but that just got passed around the table. I think I lost like 16 or 24 life to that one total. <laughs> so that was... It was interesting, but um, yeah, it was a good time. I'm genuinely shocked that no one brought um, High Alert. Hi, which one is High Alert? High Alert is an Azorius enchantment that makes your walls able to attack and deal damage equal to their toughness. That's right, Ravnica Allegiance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See that kind of stuff. You could do really you cool could, stuff with that. I think you could go. You could go hard <laughs> with High Alert. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, when um. Yeah, but no, that was a good time. The uh. The only thing I've done that's sort of similar to that is many, many years ago, there was that 
this idea floating around the the home base discord that what if what if your commander could be an an enchantment like a global enchantment like it wasn't mm -hmm. a global enchantment and a creature together it was just like your commander is just the enchantment and that's right. that's where the idea of autumnal gloom came from and like ah, i i originally okay, sense. originally started out the autumnal gloom deck as like a part of that thought experiment and then after I'd put it together and realized that it was pretty dope, I was like, okay, this is close enough to a creature that no one would mind. I'm going to put this together in paper for real. But, like, a couple different people there brewed uh, High Alert because you can, like, there's there's some bonkers that things. That seems cool. Yeah, like, I, I mean, now we have Rasad, who is also white and can be blue and does, yeah. like, can can do this damage equal to your toughness things. So, like, we have another outlet for this. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, there's powerful yeah. stuff you can do with that. Yeah, I went ahead and looked it up just because it deserved it. But uh, Fridge was on his his enchantment was Measure of Weaken Wickedness. Oh that yeah, one? <laughs> so holy cool. crap! For the listeners out there who may not know what it <laughs> is, and I don't blame you, it is a four mana enchantment, three and a black from Saviors of Kamigawa, and it's just a global enchantment. At the end of your turn, sacrifice Measure of w Wickedness, and you lose eight life. Well, that sounds terrible, right? <laughs> But there's another paragraph. When another card is put into your graveyard from anywhere, target opponent gain con gains control of measure of wickedness. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, every time I started to establish or stabilize with Thrall Parasite and or Time of Ice, hey, look, I got the measure of wickedness. <laughs> God, God bless Fridge. I know, right? What that was so cool, I barely remember what his actual <laughs> commander was. <laughs> <laughs> Something that sacrifices creatures, surely. Flame right? Does it matter? Oh, it was Gretchen. It was Gretchen. He was oh, on um, Saltai. Yeah, it was Gretchen. Okay, all right. And I think he said he built it wrong. Like he thought he read Measure of Wickedness wrong. He thought it had to be in your graveyard to have that effect. So he built like a cycling deck and a discard deck sort of thing. But uh... Uh, it worked out. It, it ended up being fun either way. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It sounds really good. So, I would have. Yeah. If I were building a measure of wickedness deck, I would partner with Flame Right, because I want I would want to have little defender guys. I'm just really on defenders are on my brain right now. I guess I don't know. I, I see that. I wonder wonder why that is. Have you been brewing defenders? Big I bucks? haven't. I haven't been doing anything. Defenders. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, enough nostalgia. Enough reminiscing about the streams. We'll get to some housekeeping and then on to the main topic for the week. So if you like the show and you like what we're doing here, check us out over on Patreon at patreon.com slash the PDH pod. We actually got a new patron this week, a Jacuzzi Jake, ended up in the Discord. So welcome to the family. Thanks for joining the PDH pod. And then a uh, big thanks to our first ever uh, patron, Scarecrow. Paul, he was on the show before. Uh, he increased his tier a little bit higher of a donation. So we really appreciate that. Thank you, Scarecrow. And by being a patron, you get access to the pre-show, which is usually a short recording of us catching up for the week, almost like a bonus episode. Almost every week, we had some audio problems this week, so I doubt there will be a pre-show. But I'm going to try to scrounge something together for you. Uh, you also get early access to the episodes before they go live, usually, usually the night before, the evening before, something like that. And then finally, you get access to the PDH Pod Discord, where you can chat with the crew, get help with all your decks, and hear about all the muck that's fit to rake so it's a good time over there always chatting always brewing decks talking about other formats hanging out that sort of thing so it's a good time uh check out the youtube channel we're slowly starting to grow that it's i i've been trying to put the podcast the audio versions of the podcast on youtube and it's just like every every other day we get a new subscriber and it's like i haven't added anything in a while, <laughs> so i don't know where they're coming from <laughs> but i'll take them so as soon as we start getting content 
regular up there, and I've got some plans for some stuff, but uh, so so keep an eye out for that. We're just the PDH pod over there as well. And then, like you heard us talk about for a few minutes, check out the Saturday and Monday streams over on Twitch. We're the imagine that we're the PDH pod over there as well. And then I think that's about it. This is usually where we get to this week in magic. So, uh, Liam, I know <laughs> I know there's a ton of stuff that came out this week since Philly or during Philly. Probably enough to fill a whole episode. So, uh, what what do you want to tell us about? Oh goodness, um, yeah. Where to start? Yeah, it's like honestly, where to start? Um, you start. start you know exactly where to start. Where do I start? There's only one card that is more important <laughs> than every other card that has been printed this decade. And you know exactly what card it is. I I don't. Where do I start? (laughs) The ultimate partnership on one card. Oh, okay. You want me to start with uh, uh, March of the Machines? Okay, I can start with March of the Machines. So uh, with March of the Machines, there's a a new titan in town, if you will. Friend of the show, Yorgle, has partnered with Moltani from Yavi Maya. Uh, to create the best partnership duo legendary creature ever printed in Magic on a card. Uh, this fantastic six mana, 18 six vanilla <laughs> creature is something to behold. Uh, amazing. Yeah, no, it really is truly amazing. Yeah, so that's that's much, much of the machine spoilers started. Uh, then the next day, they spoiled some things for Lord of the Rings, some things for. A Commander Masters, finally. We actually have a Commander Masters and not just, you know, unveiling every set as Commander Masters. Right. And then... There are already 90 decks with Yargle and Multani as the Commander. Hell on yeah. Field. I'm, I'm one of them. Uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah. Awesome. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, yeah. The Wizards is not backing down from the serialized cards. So that's a yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, they are yeah, doing the opposite of backing down. I'm, I'm a little afraid that what happened to sports cards in the 2000s is going to happen to the mad to the magic card market because yeah. like they did the Vistracia two and a half years ago, which was mm-hmm. funny, haha, whatever. And then they did the brothers war artifacts like what, like not even six months ago. Yep. And now we already have secret layer serialized Shivan dragons that were handed out at Philly at random. Much of the machines yep. is confirmed to have serialized bonus sheet, like Brothers War did. And, yeah, and they're like advertising those in the boxes, like in the packs. Yes. Like, ooh, you can get one. Well, Brothers War ones were in the packs, right? Or were they only in collector packs? I think they were only in collector boosters. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I th- I, I think they're on all March of the Machines boosters this time. I might be wrong. It might just be collector boosters only. Um, because the bon- the bonus sheet is in all the packs, just like it was in Brothers War. But I think the serialized cards might only be collectors packs. Oh, okay. Yep, I see what you're saying. And then the already confirmed serialized cards for Lord of the Rings. So that's great, I guess. Um, <laughs> and all of these things are before the end of June. So we're going to have th- at least three sets of serialized cards. The uh, the Secret Lair Shivan Dragons, March of the Machines, and the Lord of the Rings ones before we even get halfway through the year, which is not fantastic if you're asking me. What else? What else? I don't know what else, what what else have I missed? I think that was it. It just felt like it was just a, a lot, ton, ton of stuff. <laughs> yeah, like they announced the schedule, they showed all the packaging, the, uh, a bunch of spoilers from Philly. The, the only sort of thing, so it so, sort of happened all at once. The only important thing is that with Commander Masters, we have a chance at some foils that have long been overdue. Yes. And while now, I, what is 
that is the one I have not looked into very much at all. Commander Masters is a draft set, or what is it? Just a it is a hundred percent reprint set. It's a hundred percent a draft set because Magic is not ballsy enough to try uh, a, an undraftable reprint set like uh, Flesh and Blood has done. Um, okay. So Commander Masters is a hundred percent a draft set. I don't know if it's regular draft or Commando draft. I would be shocked. Mm, okay. If it wasn't Commando Draft, because they're putting stuff like Jeweled Lotus in it, and it's called sure. Commando Masters, um, so I'm like I'm like I'm willing to bet like all ten fingers that it's a Commando Draft set. So what's the difference between a Commander Masters set and like Double Masters? Like Double Masters is basically well, so it'll be the style of drafting. So the style of drafting for Commando Legends where you draft a, a 50 card deck or a 60 card deck and you have mm-hmm. a commando like that's that's called commander draft um where sure. you're drafting an actual commander deck the packs are bigger the 20 cards instead of 15 uh they have two rares uh but the biggest thing is the uh the the difference isn't what's the difference between commander masters and double masters because that is clearly just how you draft the set the difference is what's the difference between commander masters and commander legends where commander legends is a commander focused draft set with new cards and reprints versus commander masters is 100 percent just going to be reprints there's there's no way they put new cards into that i thought there were new cards in commander masters i thought it's not not that it's been my, spoiled my understanding is that this is basically like a it's commander legends 3 the reprint boogaloo I think it's going to be like mostly reprints. <laughs> they they did not say they any. Better use that name. They did not say anything about the quantity of reprints in the set during the stream. Not that I heard, but with the master's name on it, I would be shocked if it was anything but a hundred percent reprints. Because the first time we ever got a non-reprint card in a master set was Cryptic Spires. What are the yeah. What are the sets that I'm mm-hmm. thinking of? What are I don't know. Name, name a card. In Horizons. The set. I'm thinking of the Horizons. Oh my God! Lord of the Rings is basically please, Modern Horizons three. Please, no, no, no. If 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 they were going to print a Commander Horizons set, that's that is how I processed Commander Masters. I was thinking about okay. it as like a Commander Horizons. No, no, no. I was no, no, like, if, what's the difference if, between this and Commander Commander Legends? It sounds like the same thing. But, <laughs> you know, you're right. You're right. You're right. Masters is different. No, her, no, yeah, no. Commander Legends is Commander Horizons. Where it's reprint plus mm-hmm. new card Boogaloo. But no, uh, Modern uh, Lord of the Rings has been likened to Modern Horizons 3 because it's the third straight to modern draft set. Um, that sounds fun. Should be interesting. About a year ago, I found all my um, Lord of the Rings, old, the ancient playing cards from like Decipher from like mm-hmm. the, the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Found them all. I threw them away. Yeah, that game flopped. Did not do well. I don't. I don't even think I learned about it until after it was already done. And I was a regular like LGS goer in those in that time. There were there were a lot of games like that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Sadly, sadly true. I think there still is too. Like, there's always someone designing a new card game. You just don't ever hear about it. it never takes off, or it never goes to print, or whatever. Yeah. Such is the nature of CCGs, I suppose. All right. I think with that out of the way, we can move on to this week's main topic. And we're going to continue our 3 by 3 series and talk about aggro decks. Everybody loves them. Everybody loves to play them. They're fun as hell. But we're going to talk about them with a slight twist. Uh, we all love these, you know, 3 by 3 4 by 4 episodes that we do. But we like to take new approaches to keep them sort of fresh, keep them interesting. You know, we don't just want the same kind of template every single time. Uh, that's why we change up the pillars. We change up the styles, that sort of thing. We bring on guests to help us do them and all that good stuff. 
Um, with all that said, we're going to take with this particular episode, we're going to take sort of like a, a zoomed out mile high view approach to this overarching um, category of decks, if you will, instead of bringing specific deck lists and examining them through each of the lens of the four pillars that we make, the four pillars that we've established, we're going to bring a style of aggro deck and use the pillars of aggro to talk about the different approaches we can take. Does that make sense for you guys? Does that make sense? I think it, so. It makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, we um, we were we were we were talking in our Discord about how we were going to do how we were going to bring the three by three idea to aggro, and we were mm -hmm. kind of stuck on this idea that aggro is so massively broad. <laughs> like, there's there's yeah. so many different ways to like it. This feels less like an archetype. Like, it's not like plus and plus encounters or like Voltron or like you know aristocrats tokens like those are all very like very specific kind of deck ideas but aggro is such a broad like category for archetypes that we wanted to like zoom out a level and talk about different flavors of aggro instead of a specific aggro deck each right right when we still have our pillars and mm -hmm. we just kind of see how they how they relate to the different styles mm-hmm mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I think it's um. You, you said it really well. I think, but but I think this is a good approach uh, for this particular style of play or style of deck building, if you will. If uh, if you like this, if you want to hear more, let us know. We we will do this again later, maybe for mid range and control. Yeah, absolutely. Because those are um, those are pretty varied as well. I don't know if they fluctuate as as wildly as aggro does, but to, in in my mind, those are like the three categories of deck. Sure. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I hear, I hear things sort of categorized into these things. Things like you have aggro is fast, mid range is in the middle, control is late, and base almost all of your decks are going to fit into one of these three. Sure. Yeah. And I, I like this idea of this sort of um, approach. If you, I've, you know, I've said it before, but this approach to to the different archetypes or styles or what have you, I think is a good idea. Yeah. I'm excited. But yeah. Aggro's fun. It's usually one of the first decks people tend to play when they get into a new format, whether it's like a new standard rotation, a uh, new limited environment, or getting into a completely different format for the first time. You know, I know for myself, every time I get into try something new or I jump into a draft or something like that, I, I always try to jam aggro just to get a feel for the format, see how fast it is, how strong it is, that sort of thing. But there are actually like a ton of ways to build an aggressive deck. And you know, for a long time, it was just red is the aggro color. And if you want to play aggro, you play red. But now, you know, in the last few years, every color, every monocolor, seemingly every color pair has some sort of like aggressive shell that you can build around. Some of them are obviously more successful, like gruel or mono red are always going to be at the top. But it seems like every color pair, every monocolor has their own sort of um, way that they can be aggressive. And it tends to work out depending on the, I guess, the environment. You know, they're not just all, here's a bunch of creatures, good luck blocking them, but they can be if that's what you want. Like, to me, a lot of what makes an aggro deck an aggro deck is the mindset of the person building the deck, the person playing the deck, that sort of thing. I think it's, I think where much of the waters get muddy when talking about mid-range versus aggro is who is doing what. You know, who's the beatdown, if it were, that famous article, the famous mantra, you know, in magic history. Who is you the beatdown? Hmm? Who is What's the beatdown? Yes. That's, yeah. that's what I was thinking of this whole time you're talking. Yep. Who is the beatdown? It's a great one. Maybe I'll link that in the, in the uh, show details if you haven't read it before. It's an excellent article. Completely changed the way I view games of magic. 
Yeah, it really will too. Yeah. It, it's amazing. You know, I I guess you could boil it down to just take out the removal in your mid range deck and put in creatures, and suddenly it's an aggro deck. But who really knows? You know what I'm saying? In my mind, there's a relatively clear distinction between mid 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 range and aggro, and that is, for me, it's all about speed. And there's there's a bit mm-hmm. of there's a bit of relativity here, like depending on how fast the meta is. Something might be mid-range in one meta, but aggro somewhere else. But yeah, for, for me, aggro's, aggro is a deck that's going to be really, really fast, really low to the ground. Uh, it's going to be, like 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 Brad said, your your aggro decks want to, like instead of running removal and control pieces, they're just going to put in more threats and try to try to get under this thing. Like if you can, if you can end the game before someone can stabilize with a board wipe or before they can stabilize with having enough blockers or spot removal then then that's the aggro plan and like that's that's what a mid-range deck is going to try to do to a control deck Mm -hmm. but against an aggro deck a mid-range deck is going to be the i am the one who has to stabilize it 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 really does all come down to like who's the beatdown yeah in my mind an a mid-range deck is one that's going to pivot back and forth when you put mid-range against a control deck then the mid-range is going to be the aggressive one. It's going to be playing threats, it's going to be removing blockers, it's going to be trying to close the game before things go late. If you put a yeah. mid-range deck against the aggro deck, the mid-range is going to be playing control, it's going to be it's going to be the one trying to stabilize, trying to come up with blockers, trying yeah, not to die. It's going to try to get to that late game. Yeah, so the, uh, the aggro deck is one that just never, ever wants to see a late game, ever. It's going to try to get no. underneath mm-hmm. all of this... It's going to try to duck all the blockers. If it's running removal, it's not to stabilize. It's just to get blockers out of the way. If it's running... What's that, what's that meme that's like, I'm a mono-red control player. You mean you guys get to turn five? <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, uh, yeah. Yeah. If you, uh, if you plan to count the number of turns in the game on both hands, maybe it's not aggro. Maybe it's mid-range. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're not an aggro player. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, and I have noticed that too talking about our own decks and the own, you know the pods that we've played together and that sort of thing i've noticed a lot of your decks dave they they're very aggressive very like like you said you like to be like the big bad guy at the table and everybody teams up on you or whatever yeah, the, or the or you just kill everybody yeah. one of the two things happen yeah. and i've noticed that a lot about your decks is they're they're very active early and then you usually depending on the deck you're playing you usually have like a 2 to 3 turn window where you just turn the corner and we need to kill you or you're going to kill us. And yep. that's usually like turns four to seven, five to seven, somewhere in that range. Yeah, five, five to where seven. It's like, and I know a, a lot of decks function. That's where a lot of decks start producing things to do is in that <laughs> window. But yours is like literally turning a corner. Like turns one to four, you had a couple two twos and a one one and this and that. And then turns five, six, and seven, you had like an eighteen two and a twelve four and a sixteen five with trample, like out of nowhere. <laughs> Brad, Brad is referencing cranial plating on a fire. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yep, you should, it's wild. You should catch the VOD of Saturday's game if you haven't. It was a really good game. Um, that's, that was a good deck. That by was, the way. I, I like that. That was an enormous amount of fun for me. Yeah. Um. Yep. In in defense of that, my uh, my flair on the PDH subreddit is berserk tier aggro enthusiast. So I am, <laughs> I'm overjoyed to be seen. I feel, I feel seen. I feel heard. Feels good. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. It, it's taught me a lot about, I guess, playing aggro or building aggro at least. 
for sure. Awesome. Yeah. We're going to dig into all that stuff a little bit later. Uh, archetypes are vague. Magic is a complicated game. Time's an illusion. All that good stuff. Whichever way you decide to take your deck, though, one of the biggest aspects to being a successful aggro deck is the ability to apply pressure to your opponents or your single opponent, whatever you're playing. And I think all of our pillars reflect exactly that. Dave, do you want to give the people those pillars? would be delighted to tell you about the pillars. Uh, today, in, in honor of aggro decks, we are going to talk about four pillars. I've tried to distill the essence of aggro-ness into these four ideals. Uh, the first mm -hmm. one, uh, I said aggro decks are fast, and that's the first pillar. You need to be applying immediate pressure. You need to have threats on the board, turn two, turn three. They got to be out there. You got to be attacking. You have to be you have to be hitting the life totals pretty much immediately with a growing threat. Mm -hmm. uh, pillar number two is you need to be able to continue to apply that pressure. Uh, your opponents are going to try to stabilize. You need to find ways to prevent them from stabilizing. You need to you need to make <laughs> sure that you have more threats than they have removal. You need to make sure that you are getting the blockers out of the way so that you're continuing to damage these life totals and just bring closer and closer to the, to the end of the game. That's number two. Uh, pillar number three, I, I have I've very stealthily found a way to wiggle in here the how to not run out of gas. Uh, <laughs> I'm... I'm I'm calling this one consistent pressure. Uh, you need to be able to, like, you know, PDH is not a fast format. You have three opponents. They each have 30 life. You need to, this isn't, you know, 20 card, or 60 card, 20 life formats where you need to count to 20. If you're going to be a really successful aggro deck, you have to count to 90. And yeah. that's going to that's gonna take a lot. That's a lot. That's a, that's a lot bigger than 20. So uh, you you have to, you can't just count on the one card you draw each turn to keep you in the game when things go long. You do need to have ways to, to you have you have to make sure that when the when the late game happens to you, as tragic as that is for an aggro deck, you need to be mm -hmm. able to you need to know that you are still impacting the game and that you still have things to do with your mana. Like you don't want to, you know, turn six, hellbent, you know, I drew I drew a land, I play land number seven, I pass my turn. Seven mana going to waste for a whole turn yeah that 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 is death for an aggro deck it feels really bad so you do need yeah it's it doesn't have to be how are you going to draw cards it but it does have to be how are you going to how are you going to continue impacting the game and making sure your mana is not going to waste in the late game mm -hmm. and the fourth the fourth pillar as always as with all of these fourth fourth pillar is how to not die uh this one in here is mostly out of tradition i feel like i feel like all of us when we get to pillar four are going to be like let's race like that's how you don't die like, <laughs> let's go <laughs> play, lfg player removal is creature removal <laughs> like but yep. uh but we'll we'll see i might be surprised uh some of these some of the some of the deck archetypes we'll talk about might might have some interesting interesting ways to to handle not dying sure no spoilers <laughs> no spoilers uh, can can we get Liam? So I, I I did the pillars. Can we get Liam to tell us about the uh, the different sort of overarching flavors of aggro that each of us is going to take on? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first flavor that we have uh, that Brad is going to address with you today is the classic beatdown flavor. Uh, this is kind of the baseline aggro. Uh, this includes decks that drop credible threats quickly, and their goal is to make them large. 
Uh, so this is going to include decks like Grumgully, Resolute Blademaster, Boros Challenger, Morholt, Els Dragon, and Sorferin. Uh, obviously, these are not all of the commanders that could possibly fit under this umbrella, but these are probably just the most common or, or, or uh, the most popular ones that you'll see. Uh, all... I, th I think I think they're mostly just the ones that the three of us have built. That's true. All the examples <laughs> I'm going to name are the ones that the three of us have built. Um, so in, a, in, in our heads, these are going to be the most common because it's the ones that we have. Um, uh, all, all of these commanders are dedicated to giving you uh, enormous combat uh, by making creatures big and making them hit the face really hard. Hod Bailoth was apparently not being called aggro, but uh, since we're going to mention it, it goes here. Uh, the next flavor that uh, Dave is going to be introducing to you to this evening uh, is Beat Down with Extra Steps. Uh, this will be kind of our miscellaneous beyond the baseline. Uh, this is going to include decks that are on the beatdown plan but come at it kind of sideways. Uh, some kind of some some tempo decks go here, like Bod Horse or Sailor's Bane, where they do have aggressive tendencies, but they have a bit of tempo, as do commanders that ge tend to generate massive card advantage for beatdown strategies like Oddsmaker or Amber. Finn the Fangbearer also makes the most sense in this flavor. Uh, however, again, that's just these these are going to be decks that have aggro tendencies, but might have a, a different long-term game plan. And the final flavor of this evening is going to be the one that I discuss uh, in depth later, and that is the Yorgle flavor. It is the Spellslinger Aggro. So for Spellslinger Aggro, this is going to be using spells that apply combat pressure. Uh, this is going to include decks like Ripley Vance, Wee Dragonauts and Sprite Dragon, Balmor and Adeliz, Zada, uh, and Najal. Uh, these are decks that again, have uh, tend to have aggro tendencies where there tends to be a lot of attacking. But these decks, rather than trying to drop a bunch of large threats that uh, continuously apply pressure, these decks are looking to utilize spells in some way that generates a payoff that is aggro. Those uh, payoffs tend to look like creatures that get larger for your spells, or maybe even spells that pump the team of tokens. Anything yeah, you want to add? that sounds good to me. Hmm, I think... Um... Anything that wasn't, that was a good little breakdown, Liam. I think anything that wasn't um, covered there will just sort of naturally come out when we talk about the pillars. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, we, we, we might have to, we might have to tell some of our listeners what some of these, these commanders do and do that as we go through some pillars. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think so. Sounds good to me. Awesome. Should, should we get straight into the pillars then? I think so. Awesome. Remind us what pillar one is and then tell us how your decks do that. Yeah, according to the show notes, I'm up first. So pillar one is immediate board presence it is applying as much pressure as you can as early and as fast as you possibly can or at least faster than your opponents kind of set the stage set the tone of the game you know these early turns turns one two three that's where you're really telling your opponents this is the deck i'm playing and i'm sorry if you're not ready for it <laughs> that's pretty much what, what what an aggro deck does so most of this at least you know in PDH, 60-card popper, if you will, too. It includes small small creatures, small hasty creatures, You know, hopefully aggressive ones, which is usually, if you're looking at a one-drop or a two-drop, it, it's either going to come with haste or it's going to ping another creature when it comes in. Maybe it makes a token when it dies, that sort of thing. But you want to establish some sort of bodies on the field, preferably not just vanilla bodies, but bodies on the field as early as possible. Like, Mono Green has a ton of of one and two drops that just that just go hard like there's a whole i mean stompy's a whole thing because mono green has just strong creatures at all rarity levels that are super cheap 
Uh, Herd Bailoff, you know, I don't know if a ton of people know, but Herd Bailoff is a, I should know this by now. Should have it memorized. It's five mana commanders, three and two green, three generic and two green for a four, four beast, which is fine. Good rate. But it has the text whenever one or more plus one, plus one counters are put on Herd Bailoff. I may, or you may create a 4-4 green bear creature token. That is huge with all the plus one, plus one counter synergies that that green has. So, you know, in my Herd Bailoth deck, I only need to get to a certain amount of mana before my deck just sort of starts running itself. You know, I've primed it with all this mana, I've primed it with mana dorks, and now it's just going. It's just, I let it loose and it starts beating face. So basically... It's a stompy list. It tries to create as many beasts as possible and then and then beat down with them. It likes to drop some early mana dorks to ramp into Herd Bailoff and a plus one, plus one counter spell or artifact as soon as possible. And then those early drops turn into those land of war elves, those land of war visionaries. Those turn into attackers or decent blockers if I need them to be. You know, green can make a lot of tokens. Obviously, it's one of the best colors we have to make tokens. Those can play well as your defenders to help you stabilize. Uh, they can go offensive if you get some pump spells, evasion spells, you know, things like Thrive. You know, these instant speed combat tricks, Might of the Masses, that sort of thing work really well with, with just a ton of 1-1 bodies. In um, decks like um, Els Dragon, Marhal's, how do you say it? Marhal's Els Dragon. Close enough. The yeah, close enough. General Marhalt Els Dragon. The you want the early creatures. I was looking at your deck, Alcadron. I think yours is a very good example of what this commander wants to do, how you should build it. And you know, it's got forty creatures, thirty nine creatures in it, and almost half of them cost two or less mana. And I think that's just what you want to be doing it's... because you want to stack your you want to stack your board as early as possible. You know, you want to get to some turns where you can double spell creatures, you know, where you can drop two or three creatures per turn and then bring down your commander. And then it's just <laughs> it's just terrorizing after that. It's yeah. just beating face after that. It's, so it's so low to the ground. And like almost all of those two drops are just three ones. Yeah. Because yeah, like, like, like instantly mm -hmm. with 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 Els Dragon, it's super gross because like they, they're either going to connect for three damage each, which adds up really fast, or they're going to get blocked and turn into six fours. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. What, what do you do? What there's, is going there's on? There's no good answer here. Like for two mana, what a deal. Yeah, and then you got you know provoke creatures in there and stuff. It can just get messy. Like not for, not for the pilot of this deck, but for the opponents, it's just going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> and it's one of those things too where like. Sure, I'm sitting across the table from, from Dave, and I see in the command zone there's Els Dragon. I'm like, okay, I know what this deck does. I see I can read the read the card, explains the card, that whole thing. And then, like, turn one, here comes a Goblin Grappler. I'm like, oh, uh, I'm in trouble, and nothing's happened yet. <laughs> I'm in danger. Yeah, I'm in danger, and I haven't even <laughs> taken a turn yet. So I think that's a perfect... It's like the embodiment of what Aggro wants to do. It wants to set the tone early, as early as possible like i may face you with a demir control deck and you play goblin grappler on turn one that may make me have to rethink my entire game plan you know starting on my first turn as opposed to walking into the match thinking that i understood what i was supposed to be doing it's like it's just crazy how strong that card is yeah one thing also i've noticed too 
a lot of the living weapons, living weapon creatures slash artifacts that we have, the equipments, other than like Flare Husk, none of them really saw much play in 60-card Pauper, but they are extremely playable in PDH, and they are a really good way at making your creatures bigger, kind of on the cheap, you know, and I I just think they're good. I never gave them as much credit as I have lately. They're just, they, they go in any deck. They can, you know, buff your creature, that sort of thing. Combat tricks. We do not have a shortage of combat tricks. It seems like every color has plenty of them now. Uh, even blue's gotten the, um, you know, change based base power toughness to four four until the end of turn. Those sort of tricks. We got four or five of those just in the last uh, couple sets or last year or so. So every color's got combat tricks, instant speed combat tricks, and then you know back on the equipment, even something like. You know, if you're not on Els Dragon and you're not just terrorizing everybody, something like a turn one Bone Splitter or a turn one Great Axe just sort of sends the message like, "This is what I'm doing." Like in the in a turn or two, I'm gonna smash somebody's face. I don't know whose, but it's coming. You know, <laughs> like it, it sets the tone, it sets the stage, and I think that's exactly what aggro decks want to do. You know, equipment like those Bone Splitters and those Great Axes and that sort of thing. Those like. Like your like my example, your Els Dragon deck would do to my Demir deck. Like it could shake the foundation of that game plan. Like, okay, I walked in thinking like I know what my deck does and how it needs to do it, and suddenly your turn one play completely shifted how I need to approach the game on my end. So, yeah, aggressive decks. When go ahead when they can just put you on the defensive on turn one. Everything yeah, changes before they even get a turn. Like yeah. a lot of a lot of people sit down to an EDH or a PDH table and think like, all right, we're all going to spend the first five turns building up a mana base, and then we can start playing spells. And when someone is just coming for you instantly, you're like, oh no, <laughs> like, everything is different yeah. now. Like, that this, is, it is a oh no moment. This hand I crazy. kept is actually terrible. <laughs> what was I thinking? Like, I don't have blockers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and even like well, we mentioned it in the from the stream on Saturday, cranial plating things like that are just oh, God amazing. Like for so long, like I, I was guilty of this too. Like I was just sort of thought of cranial plating as a Voltron piece, but it's not. Like how many cheap creatures do we have with trample? How easy is it just to throw oh, it on yeah. there, build up a bunch of artifacts, which are, which are basically free nowadays, you and you just have a huge beater. You don't even need a bunch. Like you can just. You can slap cranial plating into a deck that has like a couple rocks and then just be like, oh, here's cranial plating. I guess I'll run three artifact lands to support it. And it's like suddenly you have this plus three power equipment that you can move around at instant speed. Like, yeah, whenever you need to. That's enormous. Yeah, it is wild. So good. But yeah, I think that's the uh, the premises for just a classic beatdown. Early threats, juice them up and just start swinging. That's what I do anyway. Have I ever told you guys about my uh, Surferin deck? I don't think so. You have not. Surferin is part of the Eldraine cycle of legendary knights. Uh, He's the green Mm -hmm. one. He's a two mana 2-2 with the ability that when he attacks, uh, you get to choose another target attacking creature and give it a power toughness boost equal to Farin's power. He's like a... Mm -hmm. It's it's like the background Hardy Outlander, but it's always on. You don't have to attack the highest life opponent um so i built a deck and i decided that it was going to be positively the most absolutely brain dead deck i could possibly make out of surfaren so the deck contains 
Exactly. In perfect ratios. It has 33 forests, 33 one-mana creatures, and 33 pump spells. <laughs> things like things like Bone Splitter, Rancor, like uh, Invigorate. <laughs> like that that's Ooh. that's the entire deck. The whole thing is just turn one, you play a creature, turn two, you play Farron. Turn three, you play a big pump spell, and you attack someone for fifteen. Right, <laughs> like <laughs> sounds good. That's, right, <laughs> yeah, sounds sounds real good. Yep. It's just like turn your brain off, turn cards sideways. Like <laughs> this is, like to me, this is like the epitome of just the classic beatdown. Like there's just there's no there's no thinking, there's no decision making. You're just full. You got steam a gas ahead. pedal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got a gas pedal. You go forward, and that's it. That's all we need. Yeah, I, I think. I think that is classic beatdown in a nutshell. Steering wheels are for cowards. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> oh. I'm going to transition into uh, aggro decks that do involve steering wheels, tragically. Uh, I'm, right, I'm... like you're still going forward, but you need to avoid the other traffic. Right. Or the classic beatdown, it'll just run you off the road. <laughs> exactly. Like, there's no avoid. Like, someone has blockers, you attack them while making while maintaining eye contact to establish dominance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about beatdown with extra steps, which is sort of like our, our, uh, our, it's a bit of a miscellaneous category. We have uh, other different flavors of, of beatdown going on here. Uh, so, the ways that our beatdown with extra steps decks are going to establish an immediate board presence, it kind of depends on what flavor of extra steps we're talking about here. Uh, the two decks that I want to highlight at the foreground of this are things like Azra Oddsmaker and uh, Amber, especially Amber Grizzlo Maul with a Veteran Soldier. Both of these commanders are pretty distinct from the classic beatdown commanders. Basically all of the classic beatdown commanders are about having a massive board presence. They're all going to make your creatures mm -hmm. huge or they're going to give you big creatures like the Herd Veiloth. Azra Oddsmaker lets you discard a card to create a saboteur effect so that when a creature connects, you draw two cards. Or four if that creature has double strike, which is nuts. Uh, right. Amber Grislo Maul lets you, on attack, she lets you discard your entire hand and draw a card for each opponent that was attacking. So, mm -hmm. on a good day, you're discarding your hand every single combat and drawing three. Uh, right. so both... Which, hmm? when it's built right, you're not discarding anything because your hand's pretty much empty right. or you, <laughs> from casting spells. Or you just discard Rally the Peasants. Oh, yeah, that too. While maintaining eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so this is... N not maintaining priority, maintaining <laughs> eye contact. Exactly, yeah. This is how you aggro. Um, right. So yeah, this is this is kind of what I mean by beatdown with extra steps, is like the, the actual beatdown, it all has to come from the cards that are coming that you're playing from your hand. Like your your commander's not going to do your board presence for you, but uh, it is going to just keep your hand full forever, and let lets you if you're if this is your plan, then you want to fill your entire deck with the cheapest, most, uh, I guess, omnipresent threats you can. Just nothing but one and two drop beaters all day long, because you're going to be sure. you're going to be emptying your hand fast. And you're going to be refilling it just as fast, so you can just empty it again onto the board, uh, just vomiting creatures out of your hand perpetually. Um, right. That's how you get the immediate board presence there. The other kind of deck that I've categorized as beatdown with extra steps is what's sort of more traditionally known as tempo. Um, these are the decks like Bird Horse, 
Bird Horse is, is my name for Essior, Wardwing Familiar, and Kelleth, Sunmane Familiar. Um, the Wardwing Familiar makes your commanders more difficult to target, and the Sunmane Familiar makes it so that when they attack, they get a plus one, plus one counter. So mm -hmm. these, this deck is weird because it is, it is an aggressive Voltron-ish deck that only has two creatures. It has the bird and the horse, and you, you, your entire win condition lives in your command zone. Turn two, you play the bird. Turn three, you play the horse. You attack with the bird immediately. That's your win condition. Every single right. other card in the deck is just in the deck to protect them. Uh, because they sure. are they, they are a threat immediately. They will grow every single turn. They will grow into lethal in about four or five turns, and then you can... Mm -hmm. um, they're very hard to deal with. So... Uh, in in these decks, the the other the other great example of this is a deck that uh, Ryan uh, pilots a lot or used to pilot a lot called Sailor's Bane. Yes, um, it's a good one. Ostensibly costs eight mana or something, seven maybe. I don't I forget, but it has a cost reduction clause. It's cheaper for every instant or sorcery in your graveyard or in exile. It's uh, nine, seven, and two blue. Nine? Okay, I've never yep. seen it. I've never seen it actually cost anything other than two blue mana. <laughs> other than <laughs> two blue, yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's this is a, a threat you can just play early, and like these these decks are they're they're still very aggressive because they're they're creating this immediate instant threat on the board that you have to deal with or die, and uh, but they're these threats are coming from the command zone; they're not coming from your deck. Um, and then the rest right. of the deck is about how to protect this, how to how to make sure blockers stay out of the way uh very different kind of aggression but still i think probably fits neatly within the umbrella of aggression yeah i think anytime you're like cast commander turn two attack commander turn three i think you're being fairly aggressive that's pretty aggressive yeah, yeah. speaking of cast commander turn two attack with commander turn three i need to talk about finn mm -hmm. uh and sort of by extension other really aggressive effect decks um some sometimes the infect the poison counter deck sometimes that sort of lands as like a more of a mid rangey deck but Finn I think is a great example of a very aggressive poison counter deck. Sure. Uh, this is a two mana I think he's a one three with death touch that says whenever a creature you control with death touch damages a player, that player gets two poison counters. Yep. Combat um, damage specifically, but yeah, you sense. you had it. Yeah. And Finn himself has death touch. Yep. So he he he's also doing the poison. Counters. So Finn is going to create an immediate board presence, an immediate threat, just by playing a bunch of like. There's so many mono green little like one mana one one death touch. Mm -hmm. So you turn one, one mana death toucher. Turn two, here's Fing. Someone has two poison counters already. <laughs> already. <laughs> turn three, yeah. I attack with them both. Like, I I giant growth whatever one you tried to block, idiot. <laughs> like <laughs> now you now you still have four poison counters and your creature's dead. Like right. Yeah. I guess I guess giant growth doesn't work. Have to be something like a wake predator strike. That's the one. Plus three, plus there three trample. Yeah. So, uh, Finn is going to be another just sort of separate-ish flavor of doing aggro by making a board presence real fast and just putting the pressure on instantly. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to wrap up my pillar one. Yeah. Let's hear about some slinging spells in, in yeah. Uh, aggro. Heck yeah. So uh, when it comes to spell sling a beatdown, uh, as I mentioned earlier. What we're really going to be focusing on is getting some creatures on the board that care about these spells. Uh, the the reason this this kind this style of deck got its whole category versus all of the other oh it kind of does aggro tendencies but it really does this 
is because there is a, a significant number of these uh, commandos and style of cards that have been cropping up recently. Uh, so the way that this deck is really looking uh, to be taking advantage of, of the aggro tendencies uh, is through Kiln Fiends and tokens. So Kiln Fiends are going to be all the creatures that have like a, a terrible stat rate for the mana cost. They're going to be like three or four mana two twos. And they're all going to say something along the lines of whenever you cast a non-creature spell or whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, this creature gets plus X plus O until end of turn, or this creature gets a plus one plus one counter. Uh, if you if you kind of squint and turn sideways, they also say like gain life or scry one or maybe draw a card. You know, those ones kind of count, but not really. What we're really looking at is the ones that get bigger off of casting spells, because those are going to be your aggro pieces. You're going to want to swing those. You're going to want to turn them sideways because that's what's going to be the threat. Uh, and in best case, you turn them sideways and hope your opponents call the bluff, right? Cast some instants, make them bigger. And if you're not doing Kiln Fiends, you're doing tokens. Uh, spells that make attackers are your friends. Spells that make little friends that you can turn sideways either that turn or the next turn are your friends. You want to make as many little tokens as you can and pump them all up with uh, other instants or more likely sorceries that grant team buffs. Mm-hmm. I uh, I can't believe that I only am just now thinking of this, but like so we you know we 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 wrote we wrote down our our different categories and we wrote down like a bunch of examples within those categories, you know the, right. the spell slinger spell slinger flavors like you know you got your Balmore Adelies which will pump the team every time you cast a spell yep. you got Zada which will pump your team every time you cast a spell, we Dragonauts and Spite Dragon will pump themselves whenever you cast a spell all these things. Mm-hmm. I completely forgot to write down third path iconoclast. Like the existence <laughs> of this card slipped oh, my I mind just, entirely. I guess I just assumed it was in here, but yeah, that is ideal. That is, mm-hmm. yeah, this is right. This is this creates the team every time you cast ah. a spell. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah uh-huh. You got your young pyromancer goes here as well. Yeah, yeah. tons of. It's like the opposite of extra steps. Like it's doing things for you, for free. <laughs> right? It's like <laughs> shortcutting. It's like cheating through the steps. It is. Yeah. It totally is. You mean my spells that draw cards also come with a body? You mean you mean right. my removal spell comes with a body? What? You, one mana lightning bolt comes with a one one. What? What? I heard. I heard Elvish Visionary was kind of a good card. What if it was just literally ponder? <laughs> <laughs> how about yeah? How about that? Just literally. <laughs> It gives you an artifact creature too. It's not right. just a creature. It doesn't God. just like give you a wait, spirit wait, wait, wait. or something. Iconoclast is an artifact body. creature. It, it makes no, it makes gives a... you artif- artifact creatures. Yeah. What? Yeah. They are one one artifact if, creature soldiers. What? What if or soldier creatures or whatever? What if Elvish Visionary was actually just a one mana thought cast? What about that? <laughs> God, I don't think I knew that this made artifact creatures. Yeah, it's what? insane. Yeah. It's pretty, yeah. Pretty nuts. Yeah. What? Uh-huh. Yeah. So. Uh yeah, spell slinger beat down high quality entertainment. Yeah, and we've gotten such good ones lately. Like you said, Balmore, Third Path, Iconoclast. They're so good. Yeah. Yeah, they all these guys want to just, you know, you still have to make your threats. You still have to you still have to make the board presence and turn them sideways early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. Uh are we are we ready for pillar two? Back to Brad? Ooh. We circling back around already. Sure. I think I think so. Is there is there more to say about uh Spellsinger beat down? Creating a board presence? We've 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 mentioned Kiln Fiends and we've mentioned Kranko's commands. Yes? Yeah. I think we're we're ready for pillow two. Alright. 
give us pillar two. Right on. All right, for the classic beatdown pillar two, uh, preventing your opponents from stabilizing. That's what we have to worry about. You know, the the biggest issue that aggro decks face typically is when their opponents gain life. It's frustrating. It's hard to win through that. The best way to prevent life gain is honestly just get them to zero as soon as possible. Once they're at zero, they can gain, they can't gain any life. So they're just dead. So that's the ideal goal. The best way to do this, and I'll give the listeners sort of a, a sneak peek behind the curtain here. We have our show notes kind of bullet pointed. And the second bullet point says trample and or go a bit wider than them, bigger creatures or more bigger creatures than other players. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think that exactly sums it up. If you need to go wider, if they've got if they have stabilized by putting three giant creatures on board, you better have four. If they put four, you better have five. If they have a whole board of iconoclast artifact creature tokens on the board you better have some flyers that sort of thing that is the best thing you can possibly do is just take their life down to zero you have to worry about life gain but unfortunately there's just not a lot of ways around it you can be lucky and be in a, a color that can counter some life gain spells or you know maybe you need to target their life grain their lifelink creatures with some removal which some of the better ways to prevent them from stabilizing our removal spells things like ram through uh, other fight spells we have a ton of fight spells um, there are a few fight spells that put plus one plus one counters on creatures and then they fight you know that's perfect for like a herd bail off deck you get a free four four and your commander just killed another creature it's beautiful it works out great uh, if you're not in green you know direct targeted removal isn't it's not optimal for aggro decks, but there are things, you know, obviously like cast down and your bolts and your uh, journey to nowheres and things like that that'll take out specific creatures. I like to do the... I like to hit as many creatures as I can with, with one spell. So I like, I like things like Seismic Stomp that keeps creatures without flying, can't, can't block this turn, Crash Through, Warlord's Fury, anything that can give your creatures a slight advantage, you know. If you're on turn eight and it's sort of a board stall and you don't have a way to push through damage, if you can give all your creatures first strike with Warlord's Fury, at least you took out a good chunk of your opponent's board for the next turn. Mm -hmm. So I, I like doing things like that. Um, I feel like we just talked about one recently that sort of does the same thing, but there's all sorts of you know creatures you control gain X or they gain this ability or first strike or trample or whatever. And a lot of those can trip, with it, which is really nice too because aggro decks suffer from the I can't draw any cards, you know, or mana flood situation where they can't dig through their deck any further. And I sort of hinted at it, but a lot of times your creatures are just your removal spells. You know, like uh, we mentioned the uh, Elves Dragon deck that runs 39 creatures. Sometimes if you need to get rid of an opposing creature, you just run your, your creature into it and hopefully kill it. Mm -hmm. like, that's fine because you've probably got twice as many creatures as they do anyway. It's okay to turn your two mana three two into a into a lightning bolt or what have you maybe that's not playing aggro correctly but i feel like that's just a straight up beatdown. like i need to get rid of that creature so i'm just gonna fight it with my creature <laughs> that's absolutely playing aggro correctly so. like your your combat step is targeted removal when your opponent's at five life yeah yeah 100 like, percent. so player you know i don't think player that removal you need is still to, creature like, removal sure is yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah Nothing wrong with that at all. I think that's just 
that's one of the reasons a lot of people gravitate towards aggro and a lot of people stick with aggro is not necessarily because it's easy because there are a ton of decisions to make when you're playing an aggro deck but because it is in in theory it's the most linear it's the most you know play land tap Sprint. land play creature attack with creature it's brain dead that's it yeah, <laughs> it, it kind of is. Yeah, you need to figure out some some speed bumps or some obstacles along the way. But for the most part, like you said, we're just pedal to the metal, no steering wheel. High five myself. Let's go. You know. <laughs> are, are you uh, guys are you guys familiar with a card called Gorilla Berserkers? Uh, I will be in about four seconds. Uh, I am not. For our listeners, Gorilla Berserkers is comes from us all the way from Alliance. This is a five mana two three that has trample. <laughs> <laughs> Rampage of two, which means for each creature beyond the first that blocks it, it gets plus two, plus two. And it cannot be blocked by fewer than three creatures. So right. if you block it at all, <laughs> it has to be blocked by three creatures, which means it's getting plus four, plus four from Rampage, and it is now a six, seven trampler. Mm-hmm. Are you guys familiar with a card called Compelled Duel? Uh, I've, oh, I've I feel like I just looked that one up for some reason. This one this one comes oh. to us from Eldraine. Oh, no. I think it costs two mana. It's for plus three, plus three, and target creature must be blocked this turn. Mm, yep. Okay. This is this is. That's uh, Forgotten Realms. Yep. Afr. Oh, okay, okay. Not Eldraine then. Uh, yeah. This right. is this is how Els Dragon does does a uh, creature removal. If someone if someone has three blockers, three untapped creatures, you cast Compelled Duel on the Gorilla Berserkers, and you attack them, mm-hmm. and they have yeah. to block with all three. And at that point, your Gorilla Berserk, because of Marhalt Els Dragon is absurd, at that point, your mm. your Berserkers becomes an 18-19 Trampler. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, Amazing. And, yeah, that's how you get rid of creatures. You, yeah. You you throw them under the bus for your opponent. <laughs> you literally do. There's things like uh, Alluring Scent, which you yep. know, all creatures must block target creature this turn. Thankfully, thank you, Master's Edition 4 on MTGO for that being printed at Common. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Otherwise, it's been a rare in paper its entire life. But yeah, yeah that, that's crazy. And and you're right. Sometimes you just have to, I mean, not literally, but sometimes you just have to sacrifice a creature to, to clear the path. Yeah. Taunting yes. Elf goes hard. Like ta- Taunting Elf is just a that? one mana zero one that all creatures able to block it must do so. And like this, it's it's so unassuming. But like even, like I'm not even talking about Elves Dragon anymore. It just says all of your other creatures are getting through. <laughs> yeah. And like that's yeah, going to take enormous. all of them on. Yeah. Yeah. And we keep we keep referencing Els Dragon. I don't know if we read it earlier. For anybody that doesn't know, it's too generic and a red and a green for a 4/4 four, four elf warrior. When a creature you control becomes blocked, it gets plus 3 plus 3 until the end of turn for each creature blocking it. Yeah. So, if that taunting elf has to get blocked by eight creatures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh Things can get nutty. Yeah, but like even even if it's not getting blocked by those things, if it's if it's just you know, taunting elf, it's in the Surferon deck as well, right? Like sure, because I'm gonna like even if it's not the thing I'm making big, like taunting elf and those effects are incredible because they make sure that the rest of your creatures are getting through. This right. is like you don't like half half of preventing someone from stabilizing is like you kill their creature, right? Like you make sure that it can't block. The other half is yep. just ignoring the creature you if you make the thing so that it can't block and now it's not your problem anymore right like your your life total is not the issue it attacks you whatever great i got i started this game with 30 life that means 29 of it is a resource (laughs) as long as your creature's not blocking mine then i don't care what else happens and taunting elf does that 
and sometimes you know in aggressive decks you have to get creative too like i've found myself putting uh sky shaper in more decks than i ever oh, thought yeah i i would it's the two mana artifact that you sacrifice it and your whole team gains flying until the end of turn yeah. like you throw that on you, you know you crack that when you've got eight beasts on board that heard Bailoth made and you basically just killed two players at once on turn you know 10 or whatever uh things like that even like um spider silk armor warded battlements anything that gives your creatures some sort of boost on the front or the back end is is always a good thing now those those, those latter two i mentioned those are a little more a little more mid-rangey like they're kind of protecting you while you do your thing but they can also help in an aggro strategy i just wouldn't lean into them as much oh dave 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 how, yeah. do, you, how do you prevent your opponents from stabilizing uh yeah i would love to talk about that um if we're if we're going back to beat down with extra steps um yes bird horse and sailor's bane the the two decks that i'm sort of championing as my exemplars of the tempo flavor of aggro uh, these decks run a shocking number of unblockable effects and a shocking number of counter spells. So, like the 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 if you're playing one of these decks, the the ways that your opponents are going to try to stabilize are they're going to try to find blockers because like you're only attacking them with one or two creatures, and like these creatures don't naturally trample, so ostensibly they're easy to block. But Bird Horse runs. Uh, basically every one or two mana spell that contains the word protection from and protection from means unblockable of that thing yep. so mm -hmm. if if the blocker that they played is green you just give the bird horse protection from green and you're getting damage in sailor's bane also has a lot of these unblockable effects a lot of a lot of ways that give give the the turtle flying there's a lot of ways to make the turtle unblockable for a turn. Sailor's Bane runs a lot of these like distortion strike. Uh, you know, it's the, this little thing with like flashback or rebound makes a creature unblockable for a turn and gives it some power buff. Uh, these cards are really powerful in Sailor's Bane. Um, yeah, and there's something too that can be said for uh, the, those rebound spells in aggressive decks. Those free yeah. spells, like if there's something that aggressive decks needs its extra cards extra spells to cast and free ones are perfect free ones are outstanding yeah, yeah. i have the there are two protection from color spells that rebound and i run them both in bird horse because those are those are tremendous uh, mm -hmm. i guess because i ideally i want to be saving them to protect my bird horse from removal but being able sure. to like you know dodge the removal spell by by playing this like center soul uh, playing that in response to a removal spell and then getting it again for free on my next upkeep so I can use the unblockable part of it. Like it's a, it's just so much value there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's the other part of like making sure that you don't stabilize is uh, you have a lot of, a lot of counter spells and a lot of them are very defensive counter spells. Like, I mean, you obviously run counter spell and arcane denial in these decks, but also you have like, um, you see a guard approach. I think is one of the best ones because yep, it can either it's a good one it's a good it's a one mana spell that's going to give something hexproof mm -hmm. so like mm -hmm. your your opponents are going to try to stabilize by murking your guy and it's it's going to they're going to pay for it like the bird has ward three the turtle has ward four like they're going to pay an enormous amount of mana to try and kill your bird and just getting to blank that with a single spell is gross uh yeah. So that's a really good point too. Is it's not stabilization does not always equal 
life gain or making a big board for yourself. Sometimes you have to stabilize by taking out opposing commanders mm-hmm. so they can stop cracking your face open. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So Stabilization. That's a very good point. Stabilization has a lot of different flavors. So yeah, Bird Horse and Sailor's Bane have to prevent the stabilization with counter spells and unblockable effects. Um, Odds Maker is going to prevent stabilization by running... So I, I should clarify here that I'm I'm talking now about my version of Odds Maker, uh, which sure. I, I, in my experience, is sort of the non-typical version. I feel like a lot of people build Odds Maker as sort of like a mid-rangey, control-ish uh, card advantage engine with a lot of like little unblockable creatures that are going to get in for chip damage and trigger the Odds Maker to, to keep a hand full and you're going to use right. that full hand to do like controly things and mid rangey things. My odds maker list is nothing but aggression start to finish. <laughs> I I do not want to be playing small unblockable creatures. I want to be playing very blockable idiots. And I sure. want I want to go into every combat saying I'm going to bet that this that this dumb goblin is going to damage you. I see that you have blockers. I'm attacking you anyway. Like right. now, now you and I are gambling about whether or not I have run amok in my hand. Because if I <laughs> if I have it in my hand and you block my one one goblin with your three three, I'm going to cast run amok. You're losing your three three. My four four goblin that now tramples is going to survive and damage you. And I'm going to draw two cards. Or yes. you could just take the one and I'll draw two cards and your creature lives and I won't spend the combat trick from my hand. Or, or maybe I'm bluffing. Maybe it's not in my hand. My whole build is is designed around all of these combat tricks that give something trample. Yeah. Or maybe maybe I have I have a couple of creatures that trample as well, and if I bet on them, then murder becomes a combat trick. Like if you block with your three three, I'll murder your three three, and it's still my damage still tramples over, and I'm still drawing the cards from the odds maker. Um, right. So that's how the odds maker is going to get through the stabilization, just with lots and lots of combat tricks. Uh, to to get through blockers, um, and that's that's an interesting build with with odds maker too because nobody really usually when you see a lot of madness stuff going on a lot of discard specifically in Rakdos colors a lot of people just expect mid range hmm. like they just expect to be in a grind fest and maybe some combat damage and some draining effects and this and that you know some some targeted you know lightning bolts and things like that but like you put an aggressive slant on it. And I think that's very creative where you're just like, yeah, I'm going to jam in 18 trample effects <laughs> and I, my damage is going to get through. So how much do you want to block? <laughs> I just, I just really, really wanted to make it like an actual gamble. Like I, I see so many people look at Oz or Oddsmaker and be like, Oh, changing outcast. That thing's unblockable. <laughs> That'll make this a really reliable card draw engine. I'm like, no, it's a gamble. <laughs> like it's not right. supposed to be reliable. Like, you gotta, yeah. You have to, you have to send your one one into their three three blocker while maintaining eye contact. Like, <laughs> it's all about the eye contact. We're, we're learning a lot about aggro today. It's, yes, we are. It's mostly the eye contact. So much eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um. So yeah, odds maker is going to prevent stabilization with uh, combat tricks. Lots of trample combat tricks. Amber is going to prevent stabilization by just never ever slowing down uh amber sure. like amber especially with veteran soldier uh every time amber attacks you're going to be also creating three soldiers and attacking with those and like probably getting some triggers in there 
Like there's so much so much of Amber's deck is designed around just getting three free creatures out of veteran soldier every single turn. So stuff like impact tremors is just gonna deal at least nine damage a turn cycle. Probably sure. Probably twelve damage. Uh maybe fifteen. Witty Roastmaster is going to be the same. There's a white card. I forgot its name, but uh, it says whenever a white creature comes into play under your control, you get to tap a creature. Yeah. If you mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, Amber attacks, Veteran Soldier triggers, you create a 1-1 attacking each other player. Like, you get to tap three creatures. No one's ever going to block anything. Right. <laughs> and like, and, the, and your, your soldiers stick around and they accumulate. So the stabilization you really have to look out for with Amber is um, board wipes. So when someone when someone yeah, catches you with a pestilence, then you then you have to start over. But uh, yep, eh, it's fine. You can, you just recast Amber and then you just <laughs> start over. The you token know. Amber has haste. The token the tokens <laughs> begin immediately. Uh, exactly. She's so good at recovering because it's not like you know it's not like you you played out your hand to to create that board state mm -hmm. and now like you're hell bent. Every time she attacks, you're drawing three cards. So like there's right. it's just, she just never ever stops. She's a little crazy. Uh a little bit. with Finn, uh Finn's prevent the stabilization plan is a lot like the odds makers prevent the stabilization plan in that you want to be running a lot of trample effects because trample and death touch is really really good. You also want to be running a lot of like fight and bite spells. If someone plays the big blocker and they they, they think they're going to stop you then you just you have your one-two death toucher, bite it with one of these, you know, masters rebuke, ram through. Does we have so many bite spells now, and it, and they're four-four dies because your guy has death touch, and then you get through anyway. Right. <laughs> Finn's stabilization problem is also the board wipes. So um, yeah, and he doesn't have a good answer to those. Wrap in vigor if you're really desperate, but like, I don't know if anyone's that desperate. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the end of my pillar too. Cool. We got Liam. Uh, yeah, so for pillar two, uh, preventing opponents from stabilizing, uh, I've heard that casting spells is pretty good, mostly because sometimes huh. those spells okay. are lightning bolt, uh, and turns out <laughs> that's a good turns one. <laughs> out removing creatures from your path makes aggro pretty easy. Uh, but in addition to that, when your creatures get bigger because you cast a spell and you removed a blocker, uh, you tend to hit your opponents for some pretty impressive damage. Right, like that that lightning bolt just caused a total of six damage. You know, three yeah. to the creature you removed and three more to the face of your Yeah, opponent. and then maybe like one or two prowess triggers sitting around somewhere. Like Yep. Honestly, yeah. And then when it comes to preventing opponents from stabilizing, ideally we are running a couple of larger butt creatures, uh, as kiln fiends tend to be. Uh so the uh two classic spell based board wipes that we have in red, fiery cannonade and breath weapon. Maybe not for every single spell-slinging aggro uh, beatdown deck, but for a, a decent number of them, these will, these will be worth considerations. Uh, you don't want these cards to ever be able to remove your commander, and you don't want them to be able to uh, remove the majority of your threats. You know, sometimes sacrifices have to be made, uh, but for the most part, you want these things to just be uh, hurting our opponents, making blocks terrible. Uh, in the event that you can't use cards like Fiery Cannon or Breath Weapon, uh, Barrage of Boulders or Cosmotronic Wave Effects are fantastic. Uh, these things tend to damage all of your opponent's stuff and clear the way for yours. This is either by preventing those creatures from blocking or from doing other things. Yeah. 
Cosmotronic Wave is a powerhouse. I love that card a lot. Yeah. And like we 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 just got a new one in the Phyrexian set, right? Like something about some kind of furnace, something. The flavor text is about the furnace. Hmm. The flavor text is Tyvar thinking that it's ironic that this thing is named the Quiet Furnace. Or maybe I'm thinking of it. Oh, the Blazing Crescendo. Oh, yeah, that's that's not the kind of... That's, that's that... the flavor text I described, but that's not the one I'm thinking yep. of. Okay, the flavor text one I'm thinking of is uh, the... the something. It's it's referencing the war between Urabrask and Elish Norn in the sense that, like, Elish Norn has lots of little one-butts, like a, a massive mm-hmm. army of one-butts, and the Quiet Furnace thinks that that's cute. Oh, yeah, it referenced the Quiet Furnace again here. Yeah, the machine orthodoxy finds strength in numbers. The Quiet Furnace finds that amusing. That's it. What's that card called? <laughs> Hazardous Blast. So Hazardous Blast. Red, it deals one damage to each creature your opponent's control, and those creatures cannot block this turn. Yeah, we just have a second Cosmotronic Wave. Yep, that's not bad. I love those effects. Yeah, I, I love effects like that. For some reason, it just tickles me to be like, I know, you're going to block every creature I have. Well, none of them can block now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. It's just, it's just funny. That's, that's Red's taunting elf. It, it really is. It really is, and it's it's great. And usually, you yeah. know, unless you have a way to get those spells back, you're just going to do it once, maybe twice, but they're fun. I enjoy it. Well, I think, uh, are we moving on to Pillar 3? I think I'm ready to move on to Pillar 3. All right, how to not run out of gas. Well, for this pillar, I went ahead and picked a aggressive deck that I play quite a bit, and that's my Resolute Blademaster deck. It's Boros Colors. It's fantastic. It's, um, for anyone not familiar, Resolute Blademaster is from BFZ, I believe. It's three and a red and a white for a 2-2 human soldier ally. When Resolute Blademaster or another ally enters the battlefield under my control, creatures I control gain double strike, and that's super sweet i know we've gotten better quote-unquote double strike or double target creatures power until the end of turn commanders lately but just something about allies and just bashing people with the entire board just sounds really good to me so but back to the uh pillar on hand how to not run out of gas you gotta get creative it's very color dependent that's why i kind of chose this one because in honestly in my herd bailoff deck there's not a lot of options. And that's similar to mono white aggro or, you know, mono, I guess mono green and mono white are probably the worst colors to be aggro in because there's just not a lot of um, card draw. There's not a lot of ways to refill your hand, not a lot of ways to not run out of gas. You've got to put a lot of weight on your can-tripping mana rocks like Mindstone and Prophetic Prism, Arkham's Astrolabe, that sort of thing. You've got to lean heavy on your spirited companions and your roving harpers and inspiring oh inspiring, inspiring overseer? over yeah, overseer that's it yeah uh, yeah you really have to lean into those and while you know those creatures are great doing that even just casting those creatures the first time is taking precious turns away from your aggro deck trying to do what it wants to do so you got to be kind of sparing with those but they're good if you're using red Experimental Synthesizer is good. Um, Reckless Impulse, Tavern Brawler, Blazing Crescendo, like we just mentioned. There's, uh, I think I put a couple spell, a couple draw spells in there that make make treasures. So they give me sort of that mana back. You know, anything like Thrill of Possibilities, it's just good. It's gonna refill your hand a little bit, pick you up in the late game if you're if you're struggling. Any incremental card advantage you can get, you gotta take it especially in aggro, because there's just not a ton out there. We don't have the time. Even if there were a Siphon Mind 
in red or in white. We don't have time to play that. Aggro can absolutely not, even in PDH, aggro cannot take turn four off to draw a couple of cards. It can't take turn five off to cast, you know, a creature and draw a card. Like, it's got to be affecting the board at all times because, you know, say by the time you've hit turn four, especially if you're playing tokens, you may have six plus creatures on board. Well, those creatures are probably going to be pretty weak and pretty easy to take care of. So if you just took turn four off to draw some cards and you got board wiped, well, you are literally starting from from square zero and your opponents already have a established board of their own. So you've got to be picky with them. The cheaper, the better. And in, in what I've found, you know, pack attack's a good one too. Just be, just be picky with your card advantage. You kind of like your creatures do chip damage, make your card advantage chip advantage, I guess if you want to call it that, you know, draw a card here or there or loot a card or rummage a card or, you know, a cantripping creature here and there. Just don't, you can't play an aggro deck that has 35 creatures, but half of them are two drops that draw you cards. Like that doesn't do anything for you because typically those are not good attackers. They may get one swing in. They're not super good. They're not great blockers. So just use them sparingly and um, do your best. Try, try to squeeze in as much card draw as you can. I've also found out that in PDH, the invokers are really good. The the yeah. eight mana sinks where you can pump your team or tap down an right. opponent's team, that sort of thing. If you've got if you've made it to in a classic beatdown deck, if you've made it to turn ten or twelve and you've got nothing left to do, you're putting your mana into these. You're buffing your team and maybe tapping down your opponent's team with your other invoker or doing damage to everybody with a, a different invoker, that sort of thing. They're they're very good at what they do and they can sort of put you in a position to win the game out of nowhere in the late game, you know, if if you've made it that far. I'm so glad that you mentioned the invokers because that is exactly what I had in mind when I was describing this how to not run out of gas pillar. Mm -hmm. And saying like it's not all about drawing cards, it's just making sure your mana's not going to waste. And that you're still Yeah, that's another thing that aggro hates is just wasted mana. Yeah. Right. Wasted mana, wasted turns, like the invokers <laughs> will make sure that you're never wasting a turn. And they're body. Mm -hmm. Like these are cheap bodies that contribute to pillar one in that they are they're putting pressure on the board, you can attack with them. Like they're not they're not aggressively costed for their stat line, but they're sure. they, they, they turn sideways. They're mm -hmm. they're they're no better or worse than any other card at turning sideways. Uh, but then, like, late game, like, when you do run out of cards in your hand, like, this is always a, a, a colossal mana sink that'll have a huge impact on the game for it. Like, isn't there a red one that buffs your whole board plus three? Uh, yes. Fla uh, Lava Fume Invoker. It Lava Fume you control Invoker. Get plus three, plus zero until the end of turn for eight, uh, eight how about? Mana. How about trumpet blasts without spending a card from your hand? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like, and then we have a couple in red that deal damage to each opponent. We have like three of those. Yeah. Flame wave invoker deals five damage to uh, target target player. Balls invoker deals four damage to each opponent. Like come there's on. One, there's <laughs> one that just lightning bolts, right? Like eight mana for three damage to any target. Like Valakut yeah, invoker. Yeah, invoker. Yeah. That guy's. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a lot of times that's the uh, sixty card popper walls combo win con. She's uh, like infinite mana and just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dome your opponent seven times. I like it. Yeah, the invokers are 
amazing. Usually the red ones deal with damage, the green ones pump your team. Nothing wrong with that. Like like Orin Reef Invoker, it's a two mana two two. I mean it's it's a bear. There's nothing wrong with a two mana two two on turn yeah. two. And then for eight mana your whole team gets plus five, plus five and trample. Okay. <laughs> you know, sign Se me up. That's fine. Seems fine. Yeah. <laughs> Seems fine to me. Like we don't have we don't have overrun effects at common, so this is what we get. And they work really well. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that's me trying to keep gas in the tank. What do you got, Dave? I am going to start by saying the words Ozra Oddsmaker. And just... <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. Like, Okay. Seems good. I don't... I've never played a game of with Ozra Oddsmaker that hasn't involved me discarding to hand size multiple times. Like, just I believe it. Yep. Routinely, I'm ending my turn with, you know eight or nine cards in hand and I have to choose which ones I want to keep. And like Ozra Oddsmaker just never runs out of gas and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's what makes it an, an aggro deck more than anything else is that you can your your hand is always full. You're constantly playing new threats forever. Amber is the same. Like Amber Amber never has to discard down to hand size at the end of the turn. But when Amber goes online her hand size is effectively three. Right. And so what happens is, you know, you, you every combat, you discard your hand, you draw three. Like, you play one or two of those, you discard whatever you don't need to, 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 to the fake hand size that Amber imposes on your next combat step. You discard whatever you didn't play, and you draw three more. <laughs> and so, like... Seems good. You're, you're constantly... You, Every time I play these decks, I just constantly have this surplus of cards. Like, I have so many cards that I'm just pitching them. I'm yeeting them into the graveyard without even worrying about not casting them because I'm flush with cash. Yeah, this it is... doesn't even matter. You've won so many gambles that... Just... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, the Oddsmaker goes really hard with, like, Double Strike because, it, it, you know, you, you discard a oh. card to, to act... to. I guess not a, not to activate it. It's a trigger ability. But you discard a card to start it, and you choose one of your creatures. And then when that creature damages an opponent, you draw two. Like, that's that's the gamble. Right. But if you give that creature double strike, then you draw four. <laughs> so, like... And the card you discarded had madness, so you already spent your mana casting that, and now there's yeah, four more cards sure in hand. Plus the card you drew for turn, like yeah, of course you're discarding the hand size. Like this, yeah. this gets out of hand instantly. Uh, those guys have no problems, not not never running out of gas. Mm -hmm. um, the tempo decks get a little squirrely. I mentioned that the the tempo decks work really hard to prevent stabilization by utilizing a lot of counter spells and a lot of like protection spells. Mm -hmm. um, if you're going to be playing these cards. You are you're keeping your your all of your mana up basically all turn cycle, which matches right. what, for protection. Yeah, for protect you have to you have to have the protection spells. You have to have the counter spells. You have to be ready to just spend mana to to save your guys, like right. at all times. And it turns out that that actually plays really really well with the deck's design anyway, because uh because of pillar the way these these decks engage with pillar one. Like the way that you create your immediate threat is it just happens all at once. Like turn turn two, turn three, you put your commanders onto the field. That's your threat. That's your right. whole threat. <laughs> you don't 
ever need to develop your board state more than that. Like once once those guys are there, you don't have to be like, oh no, I don't have enough creatures. I need to I need to tap out to cast a pondering mage. Like mm-hmm. no, you don't you don't need more board state than that. Like maybe you do sometimes. Like you need you need to stop edicts, I guess. Right. So like you have to come up with a couple like idiots or or just counterspell, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, mostly you don't care that you're not spending your mana on your turn. You pass. You you have a combat step. Like you don't you don't have main one or main two. You you draw a card. You go to combat. You end your turn with all of your mana <laughs> up. And, Seems uh, easy. It's super easy. It's yeah. And then uh, so the the challenge for Bird Horse and Sailor's Bane. The challenge for them is utilizing this mana at the end of a turn cycle. If you've kept all your mana up for counter spells and protection spells all turn cycle, and now it's back to you and you haven't done anything. How do you now leverage this mana into an advantage instead of just letting it all go to waste? Right. And the answer there is instant speed draw spells. Uh, things like deliberate, uh, consider, opt, uh, ponders a sorcery. So it's actually a lot less good in these decks. Still pretty good, but not not outstanding. And the other thing you you do at the end of a turn cycle is things like bonders ornament or Tokasi's dig site. Um, these are cards that will let you let you turn all of your unspent mana into card advantage later. Yeah, I am... noticed too when I was talking in my Pillar 3 how to not run out of gas, I didn't mention Bonder's Ornament specifically because I don't, I don't feel comfortable playing that in an aggro deck because, like you said, it's at its best when you can hold up your mana. Mm-hmm. Before it gets to your turn, you draw a card mm-hmm. off of it. Mm-hmm. Aggro doesn't doesn't want to be doing that necessarily. Like, Most of the time, yes. Yeah, like like specifically like the the decks that I play, like these mm. classic beatdown decks where you're probably one color, maybe two, and you're just pedal to the metal, no steering wheel, going at it. If you're leaving mana open, and you don't have an invoker, like something's gone mm. wrong. Wholeheartedly agree. I I don't have bonders in Ozra Oddsmaker. I don't have it in Veteran Amber. I don't have it yeah. in Marhalt. Like I think it's a it's an outstanding card, tremendous. But I think in classic beatdown aggro decks, I think it underperforms. Yep. Substantially. And that, that was just the point I was trying to make. Like it's yeah. overall, it's a phenomenal card. But in this particular style of aggro, it's not very good. I think in tempo decks, it overperforms because sure. mm-hmm. they're on this. They're, they're every turn is on this. Hold up all your mana. Maybe use it at the end of a turn cycle plan. Which is where Bonders sure. Ornaments is at its best. So yeah, I like Bonders Ornament, Tokasia's Dig Site, Coastal Bulwark is the only one that I'm just really enthusiastic about these days. Uh, that's the yeah, that's a good one. I put that one in my cube recently. So good, really good. It's a mm-hmm. two mana wall from Brothers War. Its printed stats are one and three, but if you have an island, it's a three three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for two and tap it, you can surveil one. So this like in in a bird horse deck, this will this will stop aggression. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll it'll prevent people from attacking you because a three three is massive. Uh, it will give you a mana sink for the end of a turn cycle to make sure that you're what you're drawing is gas and not dead cards. Right. And it's it'll it'll die to an edict so that your bird doesn't. So it just it checks all of the boxes I needed to check for because bird bird horse is like my competitive deck. That's the one that card slots are sure high value in bird horse. But like this yeah is just, I have the I have the list pulled up for reference for the show or what have you, what is not to get like too distracted or too off topic. I know we're already 
uh, over an hour and a half, but what is, you just explained what the bulwark's for. What is Thraben Inspector in there for? Thraben Inspector also is edict fodder mm -hmm. that turns into a card draw later. So like clues, okay. clues are this exact same thing where like at the end of a turn cycle, I can spend, you know, a couple, I can turn unspent mana into a card. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what clues do for me. And so like, yeah, Thraven Inspector, it's a blocker, it's edict fodder, and it's card draw when I have unspent mana. Okay, perfect. So, yeah, it's Craven Inspector, uh, yeah, Thraven and Craven are both in there, and they're both incredibly powerful. Um, the other card I just added in there as a as an experiment is um, Recruit the Worthy. Mm. Yes, yes. Uh, I've this, always liked that card. Yeah, this is. I think this is an outstanding way for me to just spend four mana at the end of a turn cycle to just mm -hmm. get a, a blocker, a body. Uh, right. I'm, I'm going to talk about this more in Pillar 4, How Not to Die. Um, it's also like, you know, in, in an emergency, this is one mana, stop an edict. <laughs> For, right, yep. Which is what I want. <laughs> like, I've, I've Basically the white sprout swarm or whatever that one is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so many... Like, the bird is really good at stopping the, the classic threats, like murder or snuff out. Like, it's the, that ward ability it has. It's not actual ward, which is infuriating, but it's a ward-like right. ability that stops, you know, the classic targeted removal spells. But it doesn't stop an edict. And I have a lot of protection spells. I have a lot of hexproof spells. Those also don't stop edicts. Edicts are the bane of the bird horse. And sure, so if can you can if you can pay a single white mana to just stop an edict or keep this card in your hand, pay four mana, stop an edict later. Like recruit the worthy, I think is going to overperform in the bird horse, but we'll see. Yep. Sounds good. Sorry for the interruption. No, not at all. That was an excellent interruption. Uh, where were we here? I think, I think we're about to invite Liam to tell us about how his uh, spell beat down decks don't run out of gas. I think so. I think, uh, right. I mean, the, the Spellslinger decks are pretty straightforward uh, in terms of not running out of gas. Uh, turns out when, you're, when your aggro strategy relies on casting instants and sorceries, you have access to card draw spells. It's, yeah, a it's lot pretty, of them. Yeah, I mean, All of them, uh, I will say. A few. Yeah, just, just a few. <laughs> and these card draw spells happen to you know draw you cards, which is a, a great way to not run out of gas. But they also happen to buff all of the creatures that uh, have been aforementioned uh, a few times now. Uh, you know, all your kiln fiends get bigger. All these, all these. Uh, whenever you cast non-creature, whenever you cast instant sorcery spell effects, uh, occur. And when your lightning bolts are pandas, but your pandas are also lightning yes. bolts, life is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, life is real good for the Izzet yeah. player. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of you know lately, a lot of these combat tricks they've made for quote unquote the limited environment or what have you yes. are. You know, target creature, yeah, they're gas. Target creature gets plus whatever, plus O, create a treasure or draw a card or what have you. And they just, they're just value yeah. on value. So if you're giving a creature plus two, plus O on top of your kiln fiend, oh, and it makes a treasure, like you're just, you're unstoppable at yep. that point. So yeah, I think uh, spell slinging was pretty straightforward. And I, I think our pillar fours are all kind of similar. I'm just going to run through mine real quick. The classic beatdown pillar four, you know, the blocking is for cowards, how to not die. You said it earlier, Dave, 
we start with 30 life. I don't care about 29 of it. <laughs> <laughs> Only the last one Only matters. Only the single last one matters, and that's absolutely right. So basically... Life is a resource. Yeah, 100%. There's, there's, there's no prize. Like, winning a game at 15 life is no different from winning at one life. There's no prize for having more life at the end yeah, of the you, game. You don't get bonus no, points. You might get... Uh, <laughs> Cool points, but I don't even think that matters. Basically, classic beatdown, pillar four, how to not die is just don't do it. Like, just... <laughs> you have to race your opponents. You have to go faster than wow, them. Wow, thanks. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the uh, advice of an aggro player, of an aggro deck. Just just don't... Like, what's so hard? Just don't die. Like, come on. Just don't do it. Gosh. <laughs> I mean, I'm not good at that advice, Beautiful. but I'm good at dishing it out. Yeah, just race your opponents. Do what do what you got to do to go wider, taller, faster, stronger, and make it happen. You know, that's why... It's like, it's like Daft Punk right there. Yeah, right? That's why you don't often see... I don't want to say often, but a lot of times you don't see true, true aggro decks at the top of a meta for any extended amount of time because they're easy to disrupt. They're easy to sideboard against. And they have terrible matchups sometimes. But you don't... In a one-game format, you know, we're not a best-of-three format here. If you can get off on a hot start, this Pillar 4 is is just where it's at. You just race them to the finish, and that's all you got to do. Yeah. I think Dave has a little more in-depth uh, Pillar 4, so let's hear about it. I I, I do have some depth to the the, the Pillar 4 for the, uh, the beatdown with extra steps decks. Uh, I'm going to put a little more nuance into not dying than the classical beatdown sure. decks, I think. I would hope um, so. <laughs> Oddsmaker's control suite has a surprising amount of depth for how aggro it is because of all of the madness spells that are are uh, aggro control flavored, like you know your fiery tempers, your uh, murderous compulsion, mm -hmm. like a lot of these stuff. Uh, you're going to discard it to to activate the 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 oddsmaker, and then you're going to kill something, which is pretty fun. Yeah, that's very fun. Amber plus the veteran soldier is going to achieve not dying by gaining about 80 life mm -hmm. over the course of a game. Yep. Uh, turns out if you're generating three, four, five creatures every single turn, then uh, you're, all of your soul siblings, your soul, soul's warden, soul's attendant, answered prayers, impassioned orator, like you're running all of these cards sure. because, they're, because they're aggressive bodies that just gain you absurd piles of life. And and they will. You just get crazy. Life. Yeah, if they're not if they're not answered guys. immediately, it's a problem. Yeah, like it's uh, with the combination of those and impact tremors and veteran soldiers, just such <laughs> an absolutely savage beating. Because like at that point, like someone's gonna come, someone's gonna come up with a removal spell, and they're gonna they're not gonna have any idea what to hit. <laughs> like, right, there's gonna be too uh, much it's nuts. Yeah. Bird horse and sailor's bane are going to. Like they want to race, they're going to struggle against uh, more aggressive decks. Like the in the the tryhards competitive meta right now is shifting. The pendulum has swung really far towards uh, gut, mm -hmm. gut plus inspired. It's uh, so good. It, it, no so gut good. plus inspiring leader is that yeah. the one? The white inspiring one. Inspiring leader. If your tokens mm -hmm. plus yeah. So gut is going to be gut is an aggro deck. Uh, none of us have gut built, I think. So we're not talking about it on this podcast. I had it. We, I we did have gut inspiring leader built. Not uh, shortly after CLB came out, and I don't remember why I took it apart, but I did. <laughs> I played a few games with it and took that's, it apart. I know in one game it fair. felt very oppressive. It 
It can, yeah. And then the other two games, I think it just underperformed, and I needed the cards for something. Else. I don't remember what it was, but yeah. So, but you are correct. I I no longer have it built. So, um, yeah. If you're if you're if you're trying to do the tempo thing with a bird horse and you're staring down a gut, gut is the aggro deck. Gut is the beatdown. Mm -hmm. You have to be on the control, and like you're gonna really struggle to be on the control with the bird horse or the sailor's bane. You you can try to lean into things like recruit the worthy to create blockers. Uh, you, you've got your coastal bulwarks to have more, your Thraben Inspector, Craven Inspector. Like you can try to do these things to to try to come up with some bodies to throw in the way of creatures right. if you're getting overrun. Um, Spirit Link is a really good card that's common now. You can give it to your, your your giant creature, your giant commander to gain some life out of that. If you know of better answers than these, tell me. I would love <laughs> to hear about them. I just like that the deck is so tuned to be anti-removal anti-control that it just doesn't have a lot of space or energy to dedicate to anti-aggro things sure. so that makes sense. it kind of just gets run over um yeah it's it's i used to say let's race i mean it loses the race <laughs> badly <laughs> <laughs> like, uh so uh, against against a more much more classic beatdown aggro style i think your tempo deck is going to struggle a lot sure mm -hmm. i i already mentioned the fight and the bite spells that finn has uh these are as powerful defensively as they are offensively uh, if you're if you're taking blockers out of the way, then you're also taking potential attackers away from this. So it can it can do a little bit of it can play the control game a little bit. Yeah, it's it's all right. But yeah, mostly it's you don't you don't ever want to hold back your death touchers to block with. You want right. to be trying to race people. Mm -hmm. If you're on the defensive with your aggro deck, like eh, something's something has gone wrong, and like good luck to you. Probably the solution is go to game two. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like I, I feel like infect you know poison counters have the same problems that that my category did that the classic beatdown did is like they're very easily disruptable. Mm -hmm. People know what you're doing from turn one, yeah. so you just have to go as fast as possible. Yeah, and sometimes I that's think... just not possible because sometimes you can only go as fast as your opponents allow you to go. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the answer here has to be let's race, and uh, sometimes yeah. that's not good enough. Yeah, and like keep keep in mind, you should be expecting on average a win rate of about twenty five percent here if you're if you're hitting four player games. Like you you can't you can't evaluate these decks on whether or not they're winning most of their games. Yes. That's unreasonable. Right. Try to try to try to hit that twenty five percent. See if you can have that that good really good really aggressive one game out of four mm -hmm. and uh take take your l's gracefully yeah. now you <laughs> will the other three unless you're on infect you know if you're just straight up aggro classic beatdown, you're likely not the first player killed so you'll have some satisfaction in taking out at least one player but yeah you're right that 25 win percent is is about where you're gonna be but you'll be able to take out some people along the way one hopes one would hope one hopes what do you got for us liam how are you going to not die uh race just yeah. just Go just like races. just like y'all uh we're just we're just racing it's aggro i mean how how Let's race. how does how does aggro do it it races it does it just just tries to go fast is, i want to go fast is this is gonna sound like sarcasm but this i mean this with with absolute sincerity i'm really glad i put this pillar in here so we could all be like no i don't do that <laughs> okay so so uh being let, let me just make us on the spot here uh, being is it spell slinger? Uh, I have access to counter spells. 
Uh, so when my opponents try to do the thing that uh, lets them not run out of gas or lets them not mm-hmm. die or lets them prevent me from stabilize, I can counter it. But more likely than not, we're racing. Just racing. Yeah. I love it. When you've got kiln fiends and spell fists and dragon knots and all that sort of thing, you're not not turning in them sideways. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah, I feel like to me that's a race. I feel like Balmor wants to be using its counter spells aggressively. I feel like you want to do this thing where you're like, I you know, I I play I play op, I play lightning bolt, I attack you with five creatures that all have plus two power because of Balmor. And when someone goes, I murder your thing, you'd be like, Arcane Denial. Now my guys are even bigger. <laughs> like the yeah. aggressive counterspell plan here. Well, I've killed, I, I think. never in PDH, but I remember at the LGS, I was playing, is it, and I forget mm-hmm. what the life totals were at, and I needed lethal or the opponent was going to kill me. He had lethal on board. And I was able to attack with my Kiln Fiend, uh, cast a like a gut shot or something, something that just did one damage, but it was a free spell yeah. to get the Kiln Fiend trigger. And then I dispelled my own spell. To get another kill team trigger <laughs> for the win. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you love to see it. Yep. So sometimes you just, that's what you got to do. And that is a race. That is a good, clean race. <laughs> that's, you just... this is how you race. <laughs> <laughs> we call that trade and paint. <laughs> but yeah, I think that, um, that pretty well sums it up. You guys have anything else you want to throw in about your uh, category or your deck or anything like that? No, I'm good. I, think, I can't think of anything. I think I'm all talked out on the classic beatdown. But listeners, if you guys have any extra ideas or extra categories of aggro you want to throw at us, yeah, get us out on Twitter, on the Discord, that sort of thing. So uh, tell us what we missed. Tell us what your, your idea is for racing or not dying and that sort of thing. All right. This was a good episode this week. But I think we got to move I into like the it. outro. All good things must come to an end. But we got to hit a few more things before we wrap it up for the week. And as always, if you need more Popper Commander Talk or have any questions about the format, you can always email the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com. You can head on over to the PDH Homebase's website. You'll find their Discord server there. You can find Liam and I on Twitter at Popper Command and Popper underscore B, respectively. And as always, you can find Dave as Algadron pretty much everywhere else that uh, Popper Commander is being talked about. So... As episode 37 of the PDH Pod comes to a close, we'd like to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, make a lot of eye contact with your victims, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace. <laughs> Cheers. See ya. I brought proper text at the party.